0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Uh, I wanna get into this word today. It's gonna go quick, I think. I don't know, I say that. Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Anytime a pastor says it's gonna go quick, you know it's gonna be the opposite of that. So let's just put that over here for a second. Let's just say it's going to be intentional today. <laughs> I'm so excited about this word that we've been in on uh, the book of Nehemiah, Rise and Build. Rise and Build. Uh, the Lord spoke to us about sharing through this book of Nehemiah and allowing it to, to really be something that is not, not, not just for uh, a moment that it's a teaching, and we're in this book. But I really, truly believe the more that we're walking through this book, the principles, the realities, the things that even Nehemiah went through, is 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 applicable to where we are as the body of Christ today. Let me just get to the punch point. God tells Nehemiah, and Nehemiah makes this statement. He says, "The God of heaven will prosper us. We will rise and build." What did Nehemiah do? He rose up and he built a great work for god so i just want to say that up front you are called and anointed and appointed to build a great work for god god has called you to prosper god has has created you to be victorious god God has an assignment for your life that even as you're carrying out the assignment The reality is, is that he's already created you to be able to serve that assignment and be successful in it. So even though you might go through challenges along the way, even though there might be uncertainties that might present itself, the reality is this, is the assignment that the Lord has given you, you've already been designed to succeed in that. Now the enemy does not want you to believe that. He wants you to live your life just going through day to day to day but if you can even for a moment just have have mental and spiritual inventory that on the other side of this assignment you're already victorious you're already you're you're already a success you're already prosperous but if the devil can trick you into thinking that you're never going to make it that you're never going to be able to rise up and build a great work for god If he can get into your heart and into your mind, then he'll sabotage you, and he'll hinder you, he'll hold you hostage from you being able to build the great work that God has for your life. And so we've been in this teaching through the book of Nehemiah the last uh, several weeks. We're really coming up about on our first month now, and I told you, I am in no rush with this. We're going to take our time walking through it because I believe each week the Lord is showing us a different angle, a different facet, a different principle that needs to be applied to our life for us to rise and build and really to stand on the word, by the way, that God gave to this house for 2024. It's our year to flourish. Somebody say flourish. Psalm 92, for those of you that are with us for the first time, the Lord gave us this scripture at the beginning uh, uh, of the year or at the end of last year for this year, excuse me. And he said this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are planted, those who are steadfast, those who refuse to get out of position, those who remain to put Christ first, when you're planted in his house, then you will flourish in the courts of our God. This is a year the Lord wants you to flourish. Tell somebody next to you, flourish. Now, as we're talking about Nehemiah and as as we've been teaching through it, the Lord's shown us several things. The first week we talked about the fact in order to rise and build we have to be a people of prayer. We have to be intentional about a time of fasting. The next week as we got into our teaching, we talked about the favor of God. If you're going to rise and build, you got to know the favor of God is upon your life to be able to go after that work, complete that work, be successful in that work. Last week we talked about the fact that the Lord gave Nehemiah vision, because I'll say this, I don't care how much you've been praying, I don't care how much you've been fasting, I don't care how much favors upon your life. If you have no vision for your life, that's got nowhere to go. And the Lord has given you spiritual vision to see what He's called you to do, where He's called you to go, but last week we talked about the importance of vision, we we talked about how to keep our vision, but this week I want to give you strategies to be successful in your vision. Strategies to be successful in your vision, and if I can, I want to ask our team actually to to go to a scripture later on in in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, I want to read this first, and then we're going to jump into Nehemiah 3. But I want to read this, Nehemiah chapter 4, if we can put that on the screen and if we can um, take a look at that. As the people begin to rise up and build the wall, the Bible says this in verse 6, so we built the wall, the entire wall was joined together, half its height, and here's what I want you to see, for the people had a mind to work. The Bible says that, as they begin to build the wall up to half its height when it was joined together, they were able to do this because they had a mind. They, got a, they, they had a mind to work. And I want to tell you this. If you don't have a, a mind to go to work, if you don't have a mind to pursue the vision that God has for you, you're not going to build anything great for the kingdom. You've got to have a mind. But the question is, what caused them to have a mind to go to work? And I believe that it's, that it's going to be found today in what I would call four strategies in accomplishing your vision. So if you're taking notes, I want you to, to, to follow along, write these things down. Because you're going to want to have these as we get into this. But four strategies in fulfilling your vision. I want to start back now in Nehemiah chapter 3. I want to read some text and then we're going to get into this thing today. But the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 3... In verse 1, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built it as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it. Then as far as the tower of Hananel, next to, and then next to Eliashib, the men of, Jer- of Jericho built. And next to them, Zechariah the son of Imri, built. Verse 3 says this, also the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate, they laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Now here's what I want you to catch. I'm going to read like two or three more verses, and as I read these verses, you're going to see some punch lines kind of surface. You're going to see some, some, some phrases that's going to be repeated over and over, and this is what I want to draw our attention to. Verse 4 and next to them, Meramoth, the son of uh, Urijah the son of Koz made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezebel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Banna, made repairs. Next to them, are you catching the repetition that's taking place? Next to them, next to them, next to them. And as I begin to read this... What the Lord brought to my attention is if we're going to rise and build, it's going to require all hands on deck. If I can just give you a title that I want to speak from today, it's all hands on deck. Now where do we know that phrase? We understand that that phrase is commonly used when when, when men are on, on boats or when people are on boats and, and as they're sailing, if they need to turn the, the, the ship in a different direction or if an enemy is, is coming and they need to move out of harm's way, well, what do they do? They say all hands on deck, which means everyone needs to get into position. They need to work together, they need to work next to each other to be able to accomplish whatever it is that they need to accomplish. And I'm going to tell you this, is that in order to for us to rise and build, in order for us to accomplish the vision that God has for us, it's going to require all hands on deck. It's going to require the people of God, not a person in God, the people of God to come together. And to get involved, to rise up, to build, to be joined as one so that we can fulfill the vision that's at hand. Now in this case, the vision that Nehemiah had was that they were going to rise up and they were going to build this wall. Which by the way, the the interesting thing, and I said this a couple weeks ago, is that what took nearly 70 years to try and rebuild Nehemiah did in 52 days. 52 days, 52 days when the people of God came together. There's something about when the people of God come together, you expedite in the Spirit that manifests in the natural. There's something about when we come together in worship, whether it be a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, any type of capacity, that when our faith is fused together as one, it makes room for the Holy Spirit just come right into the space and accomplish the Lord's perfect will. It moves quicker because our faith becomes stronger. And so when we come together, our faith is stronger. As Nehemiah was empowering with the vision, the people's faith became stronger and they rose up and they built and they had this mind to work. But what I want to look at is what did they do as they came together? And here's the first strategy. The Bible says this in verse 1. It says that Eliashab, the high priest, he rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. If you're going to fulfill the vision that God has for your life, it's going to first and foremost start by you living a consecrated life. You have to live a consecrated life before the Lord. To be consecrated, it is the act of being set apart. The consecrated life is the holy life. And if there's anything that needs to be a priority in the church, in our lives as believers, is that we should be going after to live a holy life. A life that is set apart. It's this life that it is, it's, it's, it's being sanctified daily. And a lot of times when we throw words in church around like, sanctified and and holy. It sounds religious. It's not. It's God. The word holy means to be set apart and the consecrated life is saying, Lord, I'm going to be set apart. As they went in, the very first thing that they aimed to repair and to build, they set it apart. In fact, the word consecration, it's the act of cleansing. So they would have taken this door, they would have taken this gate, and they would have cleaned it up. They would, they, would have, they would have made it absolutely brand new, and they set apart, and they set it before the Lord as the first act. And I want to tell you this, you set your life apart before the Lord as the first act. We know what the scripture says, if the first, be, the first lump be holy, the whole lump is holy. The Lord wants you to set your life apart first so that the rest of your life can be blessed. The thing that I love about this is that very first thing that they consecrated was the sheep gate. Now, for those of you that want to have a little background, the sheep gate is where the sacrificial lambs were gathered together that would eventually be slaughtered for the atonement for the people of Israel's sins. Isn't that amazing? The very first thing that they consecrated was the area that the blood was shed and the reality is this you cannot be consecrated you cannot be holy without the shedding of the blood. Now I'm gonna park it on this for a second because the reality is this is that you can't have the blessing without the blood. Without the blood in the body there is no blessing and this is important to us as believers because you can have faith in his name which is great but faith in his name without faith in his blood is meaningless. What makes Jesus who Jesus is, is his blood. There are other people that are named Jesus. They might go by Jesus in this world, but they are not the king of kings and the lord of lords. What makes Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is the fact that he shed his blood. He did what we could never do. That's what validates him. Even Jesus says, many of you will say, Lord, Lord, you will cast out demons, you'll heal, you'll prophesy in my name, and I'll say, depart from me. I never knew you because you did not fulfill the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? The will of the Father, according to Hebrews, is a life that is holy and at peace with one another. The will of the Father means I'm living my life, not looking like the world. The will of the Father means I'm not going to tolerate sin. The will of the Father means that I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm not going to give myself over to the kings and the kingdoms of this world. See, this is what we don't preach and talk about in church anymore. Uh Uh-oh, how dare they talk about sin? No, we're going to talk about sin. There's lines that have to be drawn out because I'm not going to allow myself to compromise the calling, the gift, the favor, the blessing that God has for me because I'm willing to just straddle the line and have a little bit of sin and a, and a little bit of, you know, the Holy Spirit. You can't get the two. And that's what we do. As long as I call upon his name, I will be saved. Yeah, that's true. The Bible says that. But guess what? You're not going to walk in the blessings that God has for you. Because the blessings is on the heels of the blood. And without the blood, there is no blessing. They understood this. They said, we're consecrating, as the first act, this gate, this door. I'm, we're setting it apart when you are willing to set your life apart. Now, by the way, let me say this. Holiness does not mean that you're perfect. I got I to clarify that. See, growing up in church... When we talked about holiness and, and, and religion, and I've seen it in a lot of churches, we put this sense of, like, legalism on what it is to be holy. Sure. I remember growing up, we used to have a gentleman that was in our church that if I walked into the auditorium, he would take the hat off my head. And he'd say, how dare you desecrate the house of the Lord. Because I had a hat on my head. So I wasn't holy. And so the problem is, is when we communicate verbiage and language like that. Then it makes people feel like they can never obtain the holiness of God. And the holiness of God is every day saying, Lord, I might have failed. Lord, I might have missed it. Lord, I might have sinned. Lord, I might have messed up. But I thank you, your blood that never loses its power, it washes me. It cleanses me. It makes me new. It renews me so that now I can go back into being living this holy life. But some of y'all think that, that, the, that the blood of Jesus, it, it can't cleanse you. And so you walk around living your life like you're an old dirty t-shirt once you get a stain on it, it's no good anymore, and so that's just me. I mean, think about that, right? There's just some clothes that get a greasy stain on it, possibly from your Super Bowl party (laughs) last week. It just ain't coming out of the closet again. But I want to keep it, it's my favorite. (laughs) But, 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 but what I'm trying to communicate is this, the blood, it cleanses every single thing and it never loses its power. I just want to get before the Lord and consecrate my life and say, Lord, I thank you that because of the blood I am made whole today, because of the blood I'm set apart today, because of the blood I've got an opportunity to continue to rise and build and be who you've called me to be. I thank Jesus for the blood. I even just pause on that for a moment. There's something about the blood of Jesus that never loses its power. Thank you, Lord. We will never know the price. We will never know. But we thank you, Lord, for the finished work and through the blood we can come before you, Lord. And so we, we see here that the first thing is they consecrated. The next thing was this, is that as they came to rebuild the wall, and I already said it, the the common phrase was next to, next to, next to, next to. This was the people that begin to rise up. This is the people that begin to get committed. What did they do? They became dedicated. First they were consecrated, then they became dedicated to the cause. I want to tell you this, if you want to fulfill the vision that the Lord has for your life, you have to be dedicated. It requires dedication. You have to be committed first to the cause of Christ. They were dedicated to the cause. The Bible says this, I love it, in Proverbs 16, verse 3, commit your plans to the Lord... And he will establish your ways. If you ever wondered what's the key to true success for your life, it's when you bring God into your plans. When you commit and dedicate what you have to the Lord. Yeah. we got to get committed. I mean, we've got to get committed. I love Galatians makes the, the, the statement in six don't get tired of doing good. The word good in Galatians, by the way, means to be productive. Don't get tired of being productive. For in due season, you'll reap a reward if you do not give up. And if you're falling short of the rewards, my question is, did you give up? Did you get uncommitted? Did you stop dedicating yourself to the cause? (laughs) On Friday, um, me and Pastor Aaron, we went and celebrated Valentine's Day. Because we were in church on Wednesday. We were in church on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> so we went and celebrated Valentine's Day on Friday. So we did something kind of fun. We went to Top Golf. Now, listen, before some of you look at me crooked, Top Golf is basically like an adult version of, or, well, I, bowling is for adults and kids, but it's like bowling, but with a golf club. It's the same idea, it's, it's recreational. There's no real. But this day when we went, when we went and played, it was nothing but recreational. Oh, it was competitive. Because apparently my wife figured out that she can golf. (laughs) So we get in there and we're, 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 man, we're playing and um, we're having fun and, you know, we're hitting a couple of good ones and then we hit a couple of bad ones. And then finally um, she was having a, a bit of a hard time. So I said, here, grab this club, club down, grab this club you go. So she grabs this club. Holy smoke, she shoots a rocket out. I mean, she fires a P rocket right out, of the, right, out, right, right out of where we were. I mean, bang. And she got excited. She got committed. Instead of giving me an opportunity now to go up, she waved her club and got the next ball and shot another one out. <laughs> Same thing again, man. She fired off another one. And I was like, oh shoot, this is not gonna be good, guys. I'm in trouble now. She takes another one, smacks another one, and she went six for six, just crushing line drives. Just, Just landing them out there. And I could just see the fire in her eyes of commitment, dedication, oh, I've got this. Now, I will be forthcoming about this. She did win. She won. She won. She did win. I was more impressed at her level of commitment, though. I could care less what I was doing. At one point, I was like, yes! It's awesome. But something something switched. And there's this thing that when you start to get committed, you might be a little bit slow. But as the momentum begins to build, get going there's like this fire in your eyes and in your spirit and you get and i can see that the the men and the women that begin to repair the walls it started off slow it wasn't easy it's like anything that you do you start off a little bit slow maybe it's a new business that you're launching it's hard and i'm not seeing the fruit of this yet but as the momentum begins to build Because of the dedication and the commitment. That's why he says, don't get tired of being productive. Don't get tired of doing good. In due season, you're going to reap the reward. Church, I'm trying to tell you is that if you're going to see your vision successful and prosperous. Don't get tired of being productive. Remain dedicated to the cause. Remain dedicated to the purpose of why we're here. We are here to reach our world with life. And if I can just take a moment and say this, no one can do what you are created to do the way that you're created to do it. I know that sounds like a mouthful but the reality is no one has the gifting and the skill the way that God has given it to you and the way that God wants to use you to do it. I don't care if two people can sing great. The anointing that comes on you and the way that you sing it is different. I don't care if two people are business minded in here. The way that you execute your business is going to be specific to what God has given you. I don't care if two people can play ball in here. The way that you dribble or the way that you pass is going to be specific to the way that God's created you to do it. So don't look left. Don't look right. Remain steadfast. Remain dedicated. Remain committed. Remain consecrated. There's a commitment. So these guys, they are consecrated, they're dedicated, but I want to give you this one and I want to, I'm going to park it here for a couple of moments. They understood what it was that they needed a, that there was consecration, dedication, but now collaboration. That's just a more culturally relevant term for teamwork. Collaboration. Collaboration, co-labor. The word co-labor comes out of collaboration. It's that we are co-laboring together. God did not create or intend us to do life alone, but he intended us to do life together. That's why I say we are better, help me out, together. We're better together. So collaboration, it's to to co-labor. And you think about this, uh, whether it be in, in, in business, whether it be in fashion, whether it be in the entertainment industry, there's something about when there is a collaboration, when people come together for a specific cause, for a specific purpose, how much greater it is when they come together. The idea, the understanding of collaboration, which a, a better word of that well, I would even say is unity. When, the, when, when you come together as one and you're unified as, as one, you're able to accomplish great things. Psalms 133, it says this. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. There's that word good again. How productive and pleasant it is. When brothers dwell together in unity, the word dwell is to remain to not get out of position to remain committed, how productive it is when we come together and we're committed as one. Then what happens as the, as Psalms begins to unfold, it talks about the fact that there's the anointing oil that begins to flow and that the blessing of life is established. The true blessing of God is established when the people of God come together. What's the devil's number one aim? To get the people of God divided. And if the devil can get us divided, he knows that we're not going to be able to walk in the full measure of the blessing. I want the full measure of the blessing, which means I want to be unified. I want to collaborate. The greatest creative uh, uh, things that we see comes out of the, the 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 collaboration. And you even think about that. Think about that in entertainment, in media, in music. Some of the greatest creative songs or or movies or TV's you've ever shows you've ever seen. It came out of a collaboration. People that came together because they were taking their creativity and mixing it with someone else's creativity, but they were all focused for one cause and one purpose, and they're successful in that. the the the, the, the people here they are collaborating. It, it talks about that there were people that 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 um. When they were building the gates that were specific in their trades, whether it be with metal or whether it be with, uh, with wood or however they were building, there was different trades. And when the trades came together and they collaborated as one, they begin to build the wall. It's a co-labor. Jesus, in John 17, verses 20 through 23, I want to take a look at this. This morning, Jesus' last prayer, by the way, in the garden, he prays this. In John 17, verse 21, he says, That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me how is the world going to believe in christ jesus when we are one in him jesus says i pray first that they would become unified but unified in me and when the people of god are unified in me then the world will believe it's really hard for the world to believe in jesus when they see christians that don't want to do life together it's really, really hard. And the devil knows that. And the devil knows that if he can get you into a place that you're upset or offended or, or, or disconnected with other people, that you'll just, I'm just going to do life on my own. And I'll figure it out on my own. Well, that's a very, very poor way of thinking because Jesus modeled unity all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible. You can't have the Holy Trinity The Father, the Son, and the Spirit without there being that collaborative effort of them coming together. Think about this. When God created Adam, it was a collaborative effort when they came together. God creates Adam. God creates the animals. But then gives Adam the opportunity to name the the animals. Collaboration. God could have said, okay, now that's a lion. Adam, that's a lion. But he creates the lion and says, now Adam, what do you want to call him? Think about that. God wants to collaborate with you. God wants us to collaborate with one another. God knows that when we come together, we're stronger, we're better. You're going to be more creative. You're going to be more prosperous. You're going to be stronger when you you begin to join yourself with people that have the right heart and the right mind. Now, here's what I want to put out, though, is this. Is that collaboration or unity is not uniformity. I want that to rest in your mind for a second. Unity is not uniformity. God does not want all of us to look exactly the same. God does not want us to function all exactly the same. God wants us all to move in the same direction. But unity is not uniformity. That's why he created male and female. Unity, by definition, is diversity. True unity is reflected in diversity, not uniformity. So what does he do? He has a male, female. They're diverse. He brings them together. Unity. The disciples, who did Jesus recruit? He didn't recruit all fishermen. He recruited tax collectors. He recruited merchants. He recruited businessmen. He brought them together. Unity by diversity. This is important because the devil wants the church to be a, in, in a place that we allow the idea of segregation to happen. One of the things that I'm thankful of is when I look at this beautiful congregation that you are today, <laughs> we are, I believe, we are the perfect blend of Jesus. We are the perfect blend of God's creation. Now I'm going to say this, God's not coming back for a white church. God's not coming back for a black church. God's not coming back just for a Hispanic church. God wants us unified by diversity. Hear me on this for a second. I understand that there are concentrated areas of the world where on the surface it might look the same. But the reality is this in who we are, which, by the way, who you are is not just found in the exterior of the outside. Who you are, first and foremost, by the Spirit, it's who you are on the inside. And I want to say this, be thankful for who you are on the outside. Be thankful of your heritage. Be thankful of your culture. Be thankful of of who you are because there will never be another one of you in this earth. Oh, if I could just be like, no, just be you. Be thankful that God created you the way he created you. So if you've got long hair, celebrate it. And if you're bald, just receive it. (laughs) Just, Just be you. But it's unity by diversity. If I had to do life with someone exactly like me, I'd be... Done. My wife tolerates me pretty well. If I had another me in the house, well, I actually do. I've got—he's about a third. <laughs> runs around. But I thank God for the diversity, because when we come together and we're diverse, but yet we're confident in who God's called us to be. Oh man, that collaborative effort is great. Guys, it's great. It's powerful. It's rich. It's awesome. God wants us to do life together. The devil doesn't want that because he knows when the people of God come together, we're an unstoppable force. I I want you to just see something real quick. Hang with me for a second here. I want you to see this. Turn to Ephesians. I don't think I gave the team the scriptures, and maybe I did for this one, but this is something that came up over the last couple of days in my spirit. I want you to see this. This is super cool. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says this, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive on our own. He made us alive by ourselves. He made us alive, he made me alive and no one else. No, it doesn't say that, does it? What does it say? It says this. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, he made us alive together. Together. He made us alive together. With Christ, by grace, you've been saved. Verse 6 says, and raised us together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. There is a model, a template here that is written out in Ephesians that talks about who we are in Christ. It says that we've been made alive together. We've been raised together. We've been seated together. What allows us to thrive, what allows us as the people of God to win is that we understand that we've been made alive together with Christ. So when Christ is central to our unified efforts, when Christ is central in our collaborative efforts, we are alive. We we, we are unstoppable because when you've got Christ, you've got the life force that is at work. What is what is Ephesians 3:20 it says? He says he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly all that we could ask or think according to the power. The power, the key to the excessive abundance and greatness of God's ability is His power, it's Christ alive, not just in me, in us that when we are made alive together. Together, and then he goes on and he says, and that we've been raised to life together. This word, which is so fascinating, is not just raised in the sense that I'm being raised and transitioned from death to life, but this word raised it actually means synergy. The root word of raised in this passage it's that the people of God are synergized as one. And then he says, and now we've been seated in heavenly places it's not the seat of promotion it's the seat of productivity promotion comes out of being productive but you're not being seated in the seat of promotion, you're being sat in the seat of productivity the promoted seat is for Jesus the productive seat is for me, because he goes on in verse 10 and he says, because you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared in advance in other words, when we understand that Christ is central and we've been made alive we've been raised and synergized together, we're sitting together in a position of productivity That we are now his workmanship. We're unstoppable. Nehemiah understood this. He said, if this vision can give life, if this word from the Lord that we're going to build these walls can give life, then we will be synergized. We will be in a position, we will be seated in this position where we are his workmanship. There's nothing that can stop us. We will rise, we will build. He's made us alive together. He has raised us together, and he has sat us together so that we can fulfill purpose and destiny. Consecration, dedication, collaboration, but none of that means anything without participation. If you're not willing to roll up your sleeves and get to work, none of of the other things matter. James 4, 17, he says, for you to know what you're supposed to do and you do it not, it's sin. The word sin means to miss the mark. And I struggle with this because I see so many people in the body of Christ that are missing the mark, not because they're willfully wanting to do sin or commit sin according to how we've categorized sin. I'm not talking about you know, you know, speaking profanely. I'm not talking about, you know, hurting others. I'm not talking about specifically, you know, the act of adultery. All those things are sin. All those things are wrong. If that's something that you're going through, we've got a wonderful leadership team that's here to pray with you, to help walk you through that. But what this is comes down to is for you to know that you have a purpose and you choose not to fulfill your purpose. It's you saying, "God, you gave me life, but I think I'm going to not use it at all. I'm missing the mark. I'm willfully choosing to be a failure in life. And I don't believe that's the heart of anyone in this room. But for you to know what you're supposed to do and expect someone to hand it out to you, it ain't going to happen. He's given you the ability to be efficient. He's given you the ability to be his workmanship. He's given you the capacity of life. If you have breath, you have purpose. You are his workmanship. So it means you got to roll up your sleeves, participate, and get to work. Even Jesus knew that. Jesus didn't start his earthly ministry until he was 30, but he didn't sit around and be a 30-year-old bum until the ministry time came. He was a carpenter. He had a job. I said this on a Wednesday night, but if that's like a note for anybody in the room, if you're sitting around waiting, you know, for, you know, the big moment, you're not going to get it. I'm sorry. Go out and get a job. Jesus got a job. <laughs> that's what it is actually to, this is for the dads, the fathers, the men, that's what it is to actually be a man in the room. Go get a job. Stop complaining. It is a shame that we, as people created in Christ's image and likeness, choose to not be productive. It is, it, it is, an, it is uh, to me, that's blasphemy. Because God has given you a purpose and a will and an ability. And for you to sit around and say, I'm not going to do anything about that because so-and-so did me wrong. Because my job application didn't go through. we'll apply somewhere else. Be productive. Get to work. But we sit around and we make excuses and we wonder why our families aren't blessed and our families aren't taken care of. We're wondering why the church isn't being able to carry the gospel where it needs to go. Because what we do is we, we literally stop the flow of God when we choose not to do anything. got to stop making excuses. God didn't create you to be a whiner. He created you to be a winner. (laughs) Productivity is woven in to the believer. By your fruit, they will know you. If there's no fruit, you're not known. Well, I just want to be known all over social media. Be productive. I want to be an influencer. Be productive like we, we what you want to get me off on a tangent right now but I'm but I'm so serious about this because what we do is we raise up a generation that says I don't have to do nothing and then we look around pastor said it earlier get off get off instagram shut down x get off of whatever social media platform because that's actually probably causing greater poison to come into your purpose than for you to be productive and I'm just being transparent like as a pastor Like for me, I silenced so many other ministries on Instagram, not because they're doing a good work, but it was starting to cause me to look at them and saying, well, man, if we could have that or if we could do that. And then I started playing the game, the comparison game. Don't compare yourself. Shut it down. Know that God's given you a gift. Know that you're called to be productive. Know that you can be successful. Know that you're his workmanship. (laughs) Created in Christ Jesus for good works. And he already established them well before. So commit your plans to him, and he's with you in all things. He's with you for all things because he's a good God that loves you, and he wants you blessed. Man, does that set a fire in my belly. Because I want to see you prosperous. I want to see your families whole. I want to see your, 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 your lives be what God's called and created it to be. I want to see our communities transformed. I want to see our nation changed. I want to see South Florida turned up for the things of God. And it's not going to happen when the people of God are being lazy. <laughs> I shouldn't have put a handheld mic in my hand. Because they know I get to preaching on this. Pastor Reese, I'm going to give it to you in just a second. No, if I give it to you, you're going to just come up here and we're going to collaborate the smack out of this place. (laughs) I feel the fire rising up in you right now. But it's the truth. You wouldn't be where you're at right now if you didn't roll up your sleeves and get to work. And God's prospering, uh, Pastor Reese, like crazy time right now. And it's awesome. And God wants to prosper you. Participation, collaboration, dedication, consecration. These are just four strategies if you want to see your vision fulfilled. And these are the four strategies, by the way, that cause the people to have a mind to work. When they set their life before the Lord, when they were committed to the cause, when they joined together with one another, and when they actually got to work, nothing could stop them. Nothing could stop them. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about the adversities and the fears. I'm going to talk about silencing your sambalot, because that's the enemy that tried to come against Nehemiah. So, next week, we're going to deal with the spirit of fear and adversity. But today, what I want to talk about is the, the 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 unity of the body of Christ when we come together. If I can just take the liberty for a moment as I get ready to close this morning, can I get? I just want to give you a picture, okay? I just want to give you a picture of this. In Nehemiah chapter 3, there is 30, 30, 30 notes about them being next to, next to, next to, next to. So when this brother right here says, I got buy into the vision, I'm getting after this thing. I know who God's called me to be. I'm going to get to work. And so then this, this guy's like, "Hey man, that, no, no, stay up here. I didn't say, you, 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 you in it now. You went listen. Who knows what's going to happen? If the mic's freaking out, we'll see what goes down next. But just give yourself like arm's length apart. Give yourself arm's length apart. There you go. Come here, Lisa Angela. Let's see. From what I understand, this guy can sing. This guy drums. I know that she does hair. That's the only word I can phrasing. I can think of. Look at <laughs> Brother George, come here. This is one of the baddest brothers in the game right here. <laughs> and you're married to him, so come on. Work with me. Look at that. I'm so grateful to have you guys as elders in our church. Come on, Monoya. You know I ain't going to let a service go by if I'm calling out people. Come on, step on up. Come on, come on, come on. You know also why I built out this platform? So I could be closer to y'all. Y'all are in the splash zone now. (laughs) Let me get the last up here. Come on. you are like, oh, shoot. Who's next? Ish, go ahead. Get up there. (laughs) Oh, this is fun. I'm counting them down. I don't know how many more I got. 11. Matt, get up there. Come on. Y'all should be catching on by now. You should be jumping up there. Y'all should be jumping up there. Marty, I feel it. Just go ahead. Just go ahead. Go up there. Don't hurt yourself. Come on. Uh, come on. Come on. Get up there. Get up there. Get up there. Come on. Let's fill it up. Let's fill it up. Let's fill it up. I right, Don't make me call you one at a time. Pat, get up there. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to go deeper into the zones. Here it is. Oh man, y'all are totally off the grid with this service today. I love it. This is the coolest part about getting to be the pastor. Now I can do it. I can just do whatever I want. I love this. Why don't you go ahead up there, Kavita? This wonderful Baha couple. Y'all are always dressed to impress for church. I love it. Rattray of three party of three you're missing one where's he in kids look at this look at this i'm doing this on purpose because this is serving what i believe is not just a symbolic or or a reflection of what we just read about in the bible but i'm believing prophetically and i don't know if i got 30 people up here but this is enough to communicate it said that they were next to, 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 next to. And when they were next to one another, and they had a mind to work, the wall already went up half its height. Half its height. When the people of God stand together, look at the diversity of this group up here when they stood together and they put their hand to the good work for the kingdom of God there was nothing that the enemy could do that could cause the work to stop oh the enemy tried the enemy came against them And the devil will try to come against you. The devil will try to make you think that your efforts are for nothing. The devil will try to get in your head and say you're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. You're wasting your talent. He'll try to guilt you in in making you think that you're unqualified. He'll try to confuse you by getting you to look at other people for comparison. But there is something about the people of God that come together and know that we are called together. It's interesting, they built a wall, but when they stood next to each other to build, they were the wall. We are the wall. We are the people of God. We are the ones that God has assigned for such a time as this. So that His presence, His power, His gospel, this word can go forth. This is what transforms communities. This is what transforms uh, South Florida. This is what transforms our nation. This is what transforms the world is when the people of God stand together as one. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.